Hello, and welcome to the Dear Sparrows podcast. I am excited to be going through Ruth 2 with you guys today. It's going to be the topic of the podcast. Um, gosh, it's good to be back. I, I guess in time for people listening to this, it's like only two weeks has been passed, but I haven't done a podcast in like three. Um, I've been away, so God has really blessed me with the opportunity to travel a lot this summer which was really unexpected and has been just really such a blessing. So I guess today's story, um, for just to start off, really isn't um, anything funny, but just kind of a cool thing. Uh, Sometimes I have cool stories instead, but um, I got to go with my best friend. We went for a girls weekend um, in Nashville, which, oh my gosh, I love Nashville. Kind of want to move there kind of really am looking about moving there because I'm just smitten with the place. It was fantastic in every way, but um, my point is, so we so we arrive and I actually ended up getting to stay in a tree house. So you're probably like, okay, like, what do you mean you got to stay in a tree house? Like, did you, like, camp in someone's backyard or what? Well, basically, no, but um, so on the Airbnb, which is just so cool how that whole system works now where you can just like it used to be really weird like if you told somebody like 10 years ago I'm going to pay someone to stay in their house and I don't know who they are people would be like yeah that sounds like an episode of 2020 or something but now it's normal but anyway so this couple in Nashville they have this house it's called the the Fox House of Light which were like starters like the name of that place. So anyway, so if you follow me on um, Instagram, it's not on the Sparrows account, but it's on the Callie Logan, that's C-A-L-L-Y-L-O-G-A-N um, account. You'll get to see some of the pictures of this place. It was by far the coolest place I have, like, ever been. Um, this couple builds this beautiful tree house, and it's made of mainly windows in the back, and so it was just stunning, and to wake up to that, and just the light glistens through the window and the sun is like whispering hello to you in the morning and you're just it's so idyllic but you just feel such a peace and I just want to wake up like that every morning um so I was just completely in a daze for a little while while we were there getting to live out my dream of living in a tree house um if only for a day but I'll have more to share about my Nashville trip soon. I'll probably do like a, a blog or something on it. If anyone cares, I don't know. Feedback would be great on that, guys. Um, let me know if you want travel blog as well as like Jesus blogs as well. Because that would be cool. But anyway, so that's my story for today. So check out the pictures. I think you guys will really enjoy them. Um, just such a really, really cool place. So anyway gonna get into um Ruth 2 today which I am I'm like pumped on this guys so energy is high on this even though I'm tired and I had a meeting this morning and I'm about to go back to work but energy is high so Ruth 2 so Ruth meets Boaz finally yes it's getting good so last week we went through Ruth 1 and we talked about kind of Ruth's story. So to recap a little bit, so Ruth was a Moabite woman, and she married in to a family, a Jewish family, right? So 
she's she's a foreigner, but she marries into this Jewish family, and and from there she she becomes Jewish. Now she's married for around ten years or so, so we can she's still pretty young because they probably you know they got married super young back then. Um, so she's she's probably not even thirty yet. Um, so she's still pretty young, still has lots of beautiful years left, and her husband passes away. So her mother-in-law, who she's living with, because the, the families back then, it was kind of, you didn't really stray, you stayed in this one unit, right? Sends she and her other sister-in-law, like, you just go, go back to your father's homes, just, it's cool. So the other sister-in-law's name is Orpa, uh, not Oprah, Orpa, and, and she goes back. That's just what she does. And, and we don't know anything that happens to her forever. I guess we won't know till heaven what the remainder of her life was. And if it was, it, I guess it wasn't remarkable enough to be noteworthy. Though her name was mentioned, which I do have to say is something that should be mentioned, that her name was listed. Um, but anyway, so Ruth, Ruth decides to stay. And even when Naomi says, you know, what are you doing? You don't want to stay with me. Naomi's in a bad mood at this point, too. Naomi has literally changed her name to Mara, which means bitter. So her name in her name means pleasant as Naomi or pleasantness. And she literally changes her name to Mara, which means bitter. So she's just in a bad, cranky mood. Um, she tells Ruth to leave. But Ruth, Ruth has a lot of integrity. And Ruth didn't see her station in life as a commitment that she had just made for that 10-year period. She saw it that that was her position for God, and she really had a heart for the Lord. And the Lord laid on her heart to stay with Naomi. And so she doesn't, she even comes to say, let God deal with me ever so severely if anything separates you and I, but death. And what she's saying with that, and what, even though that sounds kind of weird, it almost sounds like she's like swearing to God, but what she's actually trying to say is God has called me to this, so if I were to leave, then I am disobeying God. And that's, that's what she means. Like, if, if, I, if I leave, God's going to deal with me severely. And that's not to be where God is, is mean, where it's going to be this punishment, whatever else, but she's saying that she is so convicted that God is calling her to stay, that if she doesn't, she knows she's disobeying God. So that's kind of the recap from last week. So she, she's living with Naomi. They really don't have any money. They're, they're two widows. I mean, that's, it, that would be hard in today's world. We're talking about 3,000 years ago, where it's pretty much, you know, you are at completely the hand of those who will bless you and the church to give money and whatever else. But even then, life is not easy. Life is very difficult. So we're going to hop into Ruth 2 and kind of go from there. But I wanted to recap Ruth 1 because it's very important to see some of the pieces of her integrity and her character to understand the rest of her story. Also, I don't know if on this podcast you guys can hear the fire engines, but sorry. I am outside because that's wanted you to hear the birds so hopefully that'll pass in a second plus whoever needs help anyway so Ruth too now Naomi was a re- had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Ameliac man standing um, whose name was Boaz keep that name in mind 
And Ruth and the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. So Ruth has this idea, okay, let's go and see if I can see if anyone will just give me some food. And during this time, if you, if you were a man during this time and you were blessed to have an overabundance, um, it was, it was the right thing to do to share that. And especially it was, a lot of it was done by clans. Um, so that's important to remember. That's a family name. Um, it's not just a Scottish thing apparently. Um, but it's, it's an important thing to remember in the process of this. So we'll keep going. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean the fields behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she found herself working the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Ameliac. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of the harvesters, whose young woman is that? Okay, so I like this. Because we see, like, literally Boaz... He, you know, he, he comes in, he rolls up, and he's, he's looking at these women who were, you know, harvesting in the field, same old, same old, whatever. Then he sees this girl, and he's like, who is that? So he's, he's attracted to her, which is cool. But what I love more than anything is he waits to make his move, and we're going to see that a lot more later because he's waiting, and this is going to show his integrity, too, that he's waiting until God calls on his heart to do anything. But I just love that kind of, like, glimmer of attraction. And I don't know if you could say it was love at first sight. But, but I love the I love the little cute little romance of, you know, he looks over and he sees her and she's harvesting away. And he's like, hey. So I just love that story. Okay, two second, like, segue off. My grandparents actually had a story kind of like that. My grandfather was raised in Tennessee, which is why I think I really like Tennessee. Um, or actually, I just like it in general. But And when he was, then his family moved to Florida when he was young. Um, he was about 15 or so. But then he, as soon as he could get out of Florida, he left Florida and he moved to Richmond, Virginia, which is where my grandparents met. And my grandfather was actually about seven and a half years older than my grandmother. But he was, he was working with his friend one day. He was in the park. My grandmother was a volunteer. She was only 17 years old at the time, and she was volunteering to help um, a charity. And so she was passing out pamphlets, sharing about the charity. And he looks, he sees her. And then he turns over to his friend, and he says, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And sure enough, he did. And so when I hear the story of Boaz's first look at Ruth, that's what I think of. That's, I think of them. I think of how sweet that is and how cute that is. So that's just a little side thing, but I thought that would be kind of cool to share. So anyway, back to our story. So the foreman replied, she is a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servants. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. 
and whether you are thirsty to go get a drink from the water in the jars the men have filled. So I'm going to stop here for a second, and then because we're going to go where she's going to talk in a second. So this is big. So this during this time, it was a very dangerous time for a woman as well because there was honestly the threat of her being sexually harassed, of being raped, of, of anything, because she's a poor widow. And, and to a lot of bad guys, she was a nameless poor widow. Um, but Boaz kind of already, before he even talked to her, has this protective nature about her which is really sweet and really kind and really tender. And so he tells the men, okay, I want you to watch after Ruth. I want you to make sure no one messes with her at all. And if she wants some water, don't, don't just let her have water from, you know, the regular well. Like, let her have water from, like, our coolers, which we know is Dasani water, the water of heaven. So he's, he's you know making sure she's covered and it's good which is just really sweet verse 10 at this she bowed down with her face to the ground she exclaimed why have i found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner boaz replied i've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before may the lord repay you for what you have done May you richly be rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. All right. I read that. The first time I read that, so this, um, I covered this a lot more in depth in my book. And the first time I read that, I was proctoring a test for my students. And I almost started crying because I, I just think that is by far the most profound and beautiful thing that a man could ever say to a woman. I I just think that is incredible and beautiful in every single way that he he thought she was pretty okay and so that was one thing but then he hears her story and guys this is this is the meat of this this whole chapter here he hears her story and what truly attracts him more than anything else in this world is her obedience to God her integrity and her character to the point where he goes over and beyond to make sure no one messes with her. She has the best water and the best care and the best of everything. And then he goes over to her and he says, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord on the God of Israel, whose wings you've come to take refuge. And I just think that is the most stunning and beautiful thing. And this shows his integrity because we see where Ruth has so much integrity, but we see Boaz's integrity in this, that what attracted to him, to his future wife, more than anything else in this world was her heart for God. And if we let that be the marker of what attracts us to people, think how much more beautiful marriages could be and the kingdom could really be because that's what God intended, you know? That that, that heart for the Lord is what is most attractive. And that's why I love this story because this story is better than any fairy tale. It's better than Cinderella even because it's this man who who sees this woman who she hasn't had the easiest life but she's been obedient and good and has good and upstanding character and she loves the Lord with her whole heart and that is what attracts him and that is what piques his interest and that is what makes him want to know her more and I just think that is so completely and astoundingly beautiful and what's even cooler is 
what we need to realize with Ruth, and, and not to spoil the whole story, but Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David, okay? Which, he's in the lineage of Christ. But there's an aspect of a legacy. And I've been thinking and praying a lot about, about legacy and what legacy really means. And legacy is something that you do or your character or, or different pieces of, of how you conduct yourself that affect and cause an effect on further generations, okay? So you leave a legacy. So Boaz says that Ruth had found refuge under God's wings, right? And if you go into Psalm 91, David talks about finding refuge under God's wings. Because David was the author of most of the Psalms. Guys, think about that. Think about the legacy and the shift and the integrity in that family line that was blessed because this man and this woman had so much integrity, so much that they raised Obed, their son, to have that kind of integrity and that spirit and that trust in the Lord. So much that Obed raised Jesse to have the same, and Jesse raised David to have the same. And you look at that, and I dare say that David, knowing where he came from and that legacy that he came from in his family, that when he was 16 years old and he goes up against Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, that he knows who God is, one, because of his relationship with God, but two, because he can look back in the legacy of his great-grandparents and say, God, you made all of that happen, and you oversaw it because they trusted you. And so I'm going to do the same thing, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to have faith that you are bigger than anything man can conjure up. You are bigger than anything the devil can conjure up, that you are bigger, God, than anything that could stand against me. And so if we look at it in that form, in that legacy that is created right here, and we see it on, clear on paper, think about that. Think about that in your own life. And it doesn't just have to be your children. It can be children or young people that you are affecting. It can be your friends that you're affecting. It could be anybody. So what kind of legacy are you, are you leaving behind is what I really want to encourage you all to think about, too. You know, how, if you are a parent, how are you, how are you raising your children up so that they would know God? And so they would look at your life and even in, in the midst of struggles say, you know, mom or dad always trusted God, even when this was falling down, even when this was a mess. All of that, that is a legacy that you are, are putting out. And I think of that even in context of, um, I, I'm a history and English teacher, and I think about that working with the kids I work with or working with my kids um, at Area 10 Youth and, and thinking about how I am reacting to certain things in my life is going to affect them because they're, you are an example, whether you know it or not. Everybody's watching, and not, not in a bad way, but they're watching to see how you, you handle this. You handle things in your life and how you overcome it with God, but you let God overcome it. And it's because of your character, your integrity, and your strength in the Lord and standing firm in God, right? So think about that legacy. So we're going to keep going on. So, so Boaz is attracted to Ruth because of her integrity and her character and her spirit. And because she found that refuge under God's wings. Greatest pickup line ever, guys. <laughs> I want someone to say that to me. Um, 
Anyway, so verse 13. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said, for you have given me comfort and you've spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. So Ruth, Ruth saw herself and maybe positionally, yeah, you know, a servant girl probably would have made some money and Ruth didn't make any money. Ruth was very poor and, and not in a good social standing, but that's where Ruth saw herself. She she saw that the kindness extended was, was overly because she saw herself below a servant. And I think we have to also think about in the context of with God, how he sees us as more as our position in life. Okay. So Boaz saw Ruth. He saw her for her integrity, her character, her strength in God, her faith, all of that. And he was like, but you were so much more than your job title. And so I want to encourage those girls and guys today who are putting their worth completely in their job title to not do that. Because whether you are the CEO of a company or you are at the lowest entry-level job that you can possibly get, that doesn't determine your worth. And that does not determine who you are, really in God's eyes, but, but really in people who it actually matters in the eyes of others because they're going to see the qualities that come out of you and of your life and how you act. And that is what is really important. And that is what is to be focused and homed in on. So I just wanted to say that where, where she saw herself, but where Boaz saw her instead. Verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over, have some bread and dip it in the wine and vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some of the stalks from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. Do not rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley that she had gathered and mounted it to an epath. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law and amounted um, to an epath. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also gathered um, what she had brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Bless is the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man that worked for today is Boaz. So I'm going to stop right there before we get to this next part. Um, if you look in Psalm 126 as well, which I'm not sure if David wrote this or not, because some of them, it's hard to tell who the authors were, but in the context of, you know, looking at that legacy and stuff too, a lot of the Psalms were also written by David's son, Solomon. But, um, we're going to look in this, this one says, anonymous possibly written by an exile returning from captivity but we also have to remember the legacy that this story of Ruth was also handed down throughout um, the Jewish people but it says those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joys he who goes out weeping carries seeds to sow will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with him and so I wanted to talk about the metaphor there and the metaphor of of Ruth um, collecting the sheaves. So she had been through a really hard season of despair, of hurt, of pain, of all of that. Um, and, and I'm sure there was a lot of tears involved with that. And so she sowed that seed with tears and faith. But God blessed her. 
And when the harvest came, she had sheaves of joy and singing. And that is what we're going to see in this very happy ending and a few chapters. And so I wanted to leave that too. If you were in a season where you were, you were watching the things that have been planted grow by your tears, you were watching by the things that have been planted and you were hoping so deeply and you were rooting yourself in God, um, that hope and that inspiration of harvesting sheaves of joy and singing is there. And that legacy that, that was left there. And so I wanted to talk about that. So back into the story. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. We're in verse 20. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of the kinsmen redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they have finished harvesting all the grain. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, it'll be good for you, my daughter, to go with the girls because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So um, that is to show a little bit of the context of so many things metaphorically and then where she is, like, timeline-wise. So um, she's working with the harvesters, which... God, it's just so metaphoric, and I love it. So she's kind of, she's beginning to harvest what she's planted, okay, um, with the wheat, yeah. But also, the, she's beginning to harvest what God has planted for her and her obedience and what that's going to yield. Um, so she's working alongside the servant girls. She's protected. She's in Boaz's field. And we're going to talk more about what Kinsman Redeemer is um, in the next podcast. But, but I'm going to leave that for Ruth, too, where we are. And I want to just say to really think about in your own life, wherever you are, whatever season you're in, or at at some point what season you will be in, um, the context of harvesting what you have planted. And if what you have planted has been grown in tears, that promise of the songs of joy and the harvest. So think about that today. Um, just, you know, this book I have read so many times and it's only four chapters, but I get something more and more out of it every single time I listen to it. Um, so I'm going to pray us out and then I'll finish up. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for, for Ruth. Thank you for the strong woman of God that she was and for her integrity, her character and her strength in you. Lord, I encourage everybody listening, everyone who is planting seeds and they're growing by their tears. And everyone who is waiting for the harvest and the fulfillment that you have you have promised them. And Lord, I pray for all those who have sought refuge under your wings. I pray you would not only comfort them and give them peace, but I pray that you would just assure them that you are a faithful God who does not forget his children and who is there to gladly protect them. I pray and encourage those who need to remember to stay obedient and stay the course, even when everyone around them is discouraging them. Lord, I pray that you would send reminders to encourage them. Lord, we praise your holy and beautiful name. Thank you for Ruth, and thank you for who she was and for the story of her. In the name of Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen.